There are some studies which claim that the human attention span continues to decrease and might be as low as 8 seconds. That's lower than a goldfish. While there are other studies which claim that the humans were always cognitively distracted and hyper-alert creatures which enabled us to accomplish complex tasks while still being aware of our surroundings. Well, either way, one thing is true. The sheer amount of information around us is increasing. And as a result, we are always competing for the attention of our audiences. How do we create an enthralling enough experience that captures an audience for 10 minutes? What about 30 minutes? How about 2 hours? Which is why today I'm joined by two individuals who have mastered the art of creating compelling customer engagements, Cyril Rathogwa and Lars Elmquist. My guest Cyril is a passionate football enthusiast and storyteller. He is a senior solutions advisor in the Intelligence Spend Business Network, covering the entire Africa continent. Cyril has over 15 years procurement experience in different industries. His experience includes consulting, procurement process re-engineering, and advising clients in public, retail, and financial sectors. He also brings a vast amount of implementation experience of sourcing, contract management, procurement, and inventory management systems, and has led support teams responsible for supporting and providing thought leadership for procurement applications. Because of his vast knowledge in the procurement areas, Cyril often speaks on wide-ranging procurement topics on various public forums. My guest Lars began his SAP journey in 2015, and since the last three and a half years has been the Global Solution Hub lead for the procurement line of business. His role is an amalgamation of community leadership, content management, corporate programs, and knowledge sharing. Based in Copenhagen, Denmark, Lars is an expert of visual best practices. He uses visuals both in relation to his work, including internal and external presentations, and also privately in his photography, sketching, and whiteboards. As always, my name is Akshi Mola, and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, Cyril and Lars, to the SAP Experts Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, and that too, with a topic that is so close to my heart, the topic being creating compelling customer experiences. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, absolutely. The pleasure is all mine, guys. Well, so speaking of creating a compelling customer experience, what I would like to start with are the main ingredients of this dish that is known as a customer experience. Cyril, I'll be starting with you. What should be going into planning that experience? You know, it could be a demo. An engagement could even be a discovery. It could be an earlier a call, it could be even a lunch with a customer. So what would you say are the best practices of planning that experience? Thanks for a wonderful question, Akshi. I think when you think about a customer engagement or customer experience that you're going to have with, with any specific customer, the first thing that you need to think about is what is your intended outcome? And that intended outcome has to be shared across the entire team. If it's a Fed team, everybody should have the same view. 
And why do I say that? Because mm. you don't want conflict during the meeting because we have different outcomes that we're looking for. Once you have an intended outcome, then you take a step back and you say, what is the approach to get to that intended outcome? That approach starts talking to what tools do we need in order to stick to that approach? What are the people and resources that we need in order to get to that outcome? Then the important thing then becomes the delivery method. How are we going to deliver this story? How are we going to deliver this session in such a way that we can get to that outcome? So mm -hmm. the idea then becomes internally, what do we need to do? Externally, what is the customer expecting? And what is that bridge in mm. between that connects what the customer is looking for and what we have to deliver? Because once you have the bridge, you basically have touched and landed on where the customer is trying to get to. Wow. That's how I see it. Wow, that, that is fantastic. And it's so rightly said that before even we start crafting a message for the customer, we have to think about whether we inside of ourselves are on the same page. You know, it reminds me a lot of times when I look at uh, parenting tips, not that I would know, they say, always give a united front to your children, right? Yeah. And when it comes to client facing again, we have to bring up a united front. So with that, Lars, anything you would like to add to that? Because the reason I'm asking you, Lars, is that we live in a world where attention spans are getting smaller. They're getting shorter and shorter. I myself am quite the goldfish. I get distracted with a notification ding and I'm looking at my phone, right? And a lot of our customers are like that as well. A lot of our audiences are like that as well. So what would be your advice, bouncing off of what Cyril said, on capturing one's audience? What I like to say is, is, is also building on, on Cyril's point about creating a connection, right? And we all know that there are many messages out there. There's a lot of information that we need to relate to. So yes, of course, it can be hard in these days and times to, to get people's attention. And as I was thinking through this question, right? I mean, look at yourself. Once you're going through your social media channels being LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is that you're using, what is it that makes you stop and look at a story or a post that you want to spend time on. And it's very much around creating that connections. It has to come from a source, being either a company or a person that you know. So that's the storyteller. It also has, it has to have a good headline, something that draws your attention. Cyril will know all about this. You know, the story very much makes out, uh, out of the headline, right? And for me, you know, being a, a, a visual person, it's also around having a very good visual material and mm. that the message is short, that it's precise, that it has a very good narrative and the information that you read is something valuable, right, for the reader. Absolutely. So, so that's one point. And what I also like to say is that something that you should keep in mind in terms of grabbing the audience is the power of simplicity. I mean, the power of simplicity is so forceful. And we have these concepts of the rule of third or the power of three. And this is a very classical writing principle that you can use. And this is something that sticks scientifically to the audience. Again, Cyril will know this when he tells a story, right? Every story has a beginning. It has a it has a middle as it has an ending. We can all very easily, you know, 
linked to the concept of three, uh, one, two, three, nine, one, one, uh, stop, drop and roll. There are so many things in here that makes the simple story much more sticky, right? And if you combine that at the, to, to wrap up this part of the question here, actually, if you combine the power of three with with this quotation from Simon Sinek that we all know that, you know, you have to start with the wise because mm -hmm. you have to inspire people to, you know, stick to the information. Then you can always talk about the what's and the how's afterwards, but the why is very much important. Wow. Wow. So very, very wise words. Like what is your why? And then the power of three. And that's really fascinating, Lars, that you say that because ever since I joined SAP as an intern, even if it was an internal meeting with somebody more senior, a lot of my mentors used to say, actually, what are the three things you want to convey? What are the three things you want to get out of this? So it's really fantastic that the power of three. And another thing you mentioned a lot was serial storytelling, right? And in the past, and actually I have a video of you, Lars, saying this, is that you call Cyril the Yoda master of storytelling. <laughs> and, right? And I agree with that. And what is it, Cyril, that helps you in being such a good storyteller? Because, I mean, that, that's a muscle, a, a lot of us. I mean, I know I had to work towards getting there and you seem to be a natural. So what is it, in, perhaps in your background, that helps you be that storyteller that you are today? Thanks, and, and, and Lars, thanks for the compliment. I think maybe for me, it's going way back to when I was young. I grew up in the rural area of South Africa, a tribe called Venda, very small tribe. When I grew up, there, there wasn't a lot around us. There wasn't a lot of technology. There wasn't technology to start with. We didn't read books, we were too young. But there was a way that communities passed stories from generation to generation. There was always an elder person in the group who would gather you around and we called them Zingan. And they would tell you that. And I would watch these people do this and I would feel like, I really want to do this. And I had this burning desire to stand in front and, and do that. And I remember vividly my first time at school, volunteering to go stand in front of the class and tell a tale. And I never felt the, the, the sense of fear or anxiety or anything. It was excitement. Mm -hmm. I wanted to portray, I wanted to give out that which was in me. So it's one of these things that you feel like if you are passionate enough about the topic, you are passionate enough about the art, there is no fear. You want to mm -hmm. go out and basically have fun. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Because one of the things that people sort of battle with, they think, what if this bombs out? What if I balls it up completely and that reflects on me? Yeah. And the, the, the reason why they do that, they see themselves as delivering the story instead of a character delivering the story. Where the character, get into the character, you'll realize that Cyril is on the side, actually it's on the side, the character is delivering the story. The yeah. embarrassment, the emotions goes with the character. There's also a, a, a misconception that stories are of a similar nature. They are not. Not every story will begin with once upon a time. Some stories are as short as two sentences. Some stories are analogies. And when you create an analogy, guess what? You are copying from what has already existed. 
Right. When you code, you are copying and in fact, getting the stature of someone else, it's still a story. It takes us then back to the point of saying, can you ever not tell a story in front of a customer? And the answer is a resounding no. Mm. When you stand in front of the customer, you're already telling, telling a story. Quiet as you are, you may be saying to the customer, I'm not interested. That's the story you're telling. <laughs> Excited as you are, you're already telling your customer a story that says, you know what? I'm enthusiastic and passionate about what I'm going to tell you. In fact, I want to transmit that which is in me into you. So for, for me, the starting point is, as I said, what's the end that you want to get to? That end comes with emotions. What are those emotions? Those emotions, what are the stories that I need to tap into to evoke those emotions? Once you do that, you will realize actually, wow. most of the stories are not what's written. Most of stories are what you've gone through. And those are the best stories to tell because you can remember them. You tell them with the, the rawest of emotions, if I can use that, that word, because they have happened to you. Mm. You will never forget it. So for me, best practice is understand the fact that you are dealing with facts. That's what SAP is good for. We go into features and functions of what our systems do. Those are facts. Those are figures. Yeah. Then you are dealing with the context, which is very important. Who are you telling the story to? The way I'm going to tell a story to a CFO may be very different to how I'm going to tell the CPO because their characters are different. It may be the same story, but delivered with different emotions. Then the last part is the emotions that you wrap around these things. Indeed. If you're not congruent across all of them, guess what? You look fake. You can't tell a happy story frowning. And you can't tell a sad story smiling. Bingo. So I, I generally think what we need to, to, to be thinking about before we go into the story is we have our end in mind. Let's plan our story. And sometimes, as I said, it's not a story of once upon a time from beginning to end. It's snippets of things in between these points that we're making. And what are we using those for? To highlight certain features, to highlight certain things that we think these are the value of our solutions. And we want to make sure we embed this in the brains of the people that are receiving the story. Once you do that and you tap into this, I'm telling you, this and this working together, mm. they make magic. Wow, wow. And for our audience, when uh, Cyril said this and this, I know you already know from the passion in his voice, he meant the heart and the head. So that's for you to know. And you know, one of the things that really blew my mind when Cyril was saying that nothing is free from story, it reminded me growing up, I used to study the scripture of Bhagavad Gita. And in that it is said that you can never be free from karma. And karma means action, that a person is always doing something. Even if you're sleeping, you're doing something. If you're eating, you're doing something. If you're not eating, you're doing something. The action is always there. It depends on what you're doing. So similarly, we can never be free of stories either. We're always telling a story. Like Cyril said, even if you're quiet, even if you're still, yeah. you might be looking bored and that's telling some story, a story probably exactly. that you don't want to tell. So Cyril, all of those are great points. And you already answered what I was going to ask you next, which was, some of the best practices of storytelling. But I know there are folks who are like, Cyril, you have put us in a catch-22. I can never be free of story. 
I am telling stories, but I'm telling the wrong story. So what are some of the best practices? I know you said that, okay, what's your end goal? Let's start from there. So we started from our end goal. What else would you get us on the right track with? I think one of the things that I, I, I would suggest people do is use stories that already exist. Those are those are easier because I find one of the most confident uh, confidence building activity is to go through a process a few times and I feel like I've got it in me I can repeat this it's repeatable. Now, there are quite a lot of story repositories within SAP and find one that's suitable to you that's the first one. The second one is this is what I do most of the time go through your life journey you will find stories that are relevant. It's just that you've never looked at them that way. So I'll use this analogy. I'm, I'm a budding photographer. I enjoy photography. And before I started photography, there were certain lines that I didn't see in events, in objects. There were certain angles I didn't see. In fact, I would look at, say, flowers in front of me, I wouldn't see one flower that is standing out. But the minute I started paying attention from photography, I could see this thing standing out. That's what happens when you start going into storytelling mode. You will see things that are very relevant and very similar to the kind of solution actually that you're, 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 you're telling. Right. I have so many stories or so many incidences in my life that happened that back then were pretty much irrelevant. They were just things that happened. I've been able to tap to them when I'm talking to customers. And some of them have been very useful. So Mm. do that because you own the story. The next thing, and I think this is so, so vital. Allow yourself. So I have this quote that says, you either risk being memorable or risk being forgotten. It's as simple as that. When you're standing in front of the customer, either you're going to be like everyone else because you're doing what everyone else is doing, or you risk and you become memorable, you'll be remembered. Now, if you want to do that, then you should be able to, or you should be willing to risk internally exposing yourself to your teammates for that critique because there are people that will add into your story. Dry run. Mm. It's as simple as that. And people will tell you, I think you should add the following. I think that may be politically incorrect as an example. And that's how you refine your story. Mm. Tell your story to your kids who have absolutely no idea about the topic you're talking about and see whether they create the link between your story and the topic. If you can do that, you are on a good footing. Maybe just to to add a point uh, around this best practice. I think one of the things that we need to remember is we are dealing with human beings, human beings that are just like us, human beings that face challenges and they go through stuff that we go through every day. Guess what? One of the best things to do is, last spoke about this earlier on, is that connection. Mm. If you look like you're a genuine person, people will connect with you. Mm. Because guess what? People don't want to deal with a perfect person because that person doesn't exist. People want to deal with a genuine person and that genuine person has faults, that genuine person has flaws, and they have happiness, they have sad moments. And once they do that, They feel like, I can trust you with this. I can trust you with you looking after my interests. Yeah. And if you're, to to that point, what Cyril's saying, right? I mean, if if you are authentic and you show off that you are true to what you're saying, and if you are passionate about any topic for that matter, be it procurement or not procurement or storytelling or 
whiteboarding or whatever, if you are really showing that you are authentic and passionate, the energy will float in the room for sure, right? Because if you shine with the stuff that you're talking about, that will have a very positive effect on, on the audience for sure. Now, Cyril, you may bring up a great point when you say that one has to remember that's a person because sometimes we get so up in our heads about people's titles. It's like, oh my God, the CEO, the CIO, they'll be so mad and their one hour is so um, costly, so to say, you know, like I can't be wasting their five minutes either. Oh no, they're going to be so mad at me. It's like, no, that's a person. They have some priorities. They have some KPIs. Be relatable to them. And that brings to Lars's point about authenticity. How relatable are you if you are coming in like, I'm this perfect person and I'm larger than life and I have an agenda and I have a message and I'll say it whether you care about it or not. Well, now we're not being very relatable, are we? But but when we're, we're being empathetic, okay, this is what they care about. Let me tailor my message to them. If I say, hey, listen, I need to sell this much S4 HANA because I have a quota. I'm sorry, that's my problem. How? Yeah. But yeah. Mr. Miss Customer, you have these priorities, these strategic priorities. I can help you get there. I can be your trusted advisor. Okay, now I'm interested. Talk to me. I really, really, really love what you said because I, I, I think, think about it. The reason why they, they brought you is because they've got challenges. Oh, it's because they want to go somewhere else. Imagine when you get there and the first thing that you want to do is show them basically how much you have in your head. Yeah. Because what are you doing? You are showing off. Yeah. Where is the link between what they are asking for and what you have in your head? They have to filter through and sift through a whole lot of information that you gave them. Last mentioned simplicity. Maybe, just maybe, what's important is Let me understand what you're going through. And I understand when you go through this, this is what it causes. You are being empathetic to them. And this is how we can resolve those challenges. Guess what? In the process of doing that, you may just find you sell more because they can trust you. That's the starting point. You have their interest at heart. When you don't do that, you only have the interest of the organization, your organization at heart. And what's your interest? You want to sell more. Even sell stuff that I don't actually need as a customer. So now I have to put a window or um, a gate where I start saying, what do I allow in? What don't I allow in? When you are compassionate, when you are empathetic to them, guess what that buys you? They become lenient. Mm. Even when you make mistakes, they feel like everybody makes mistakes, but we know where this person's heart is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, Uh, Cyril, I know you're up for the challenge because you did mention that you have your stories, you know, you have a plethora of them just in your back pocket, right? And I think our audience is aching at this point. They're like, okay, we understand. We hear you. We hear the best practices. Show it to us in action. Let us listen to it. So I'm going to share an interesting story. We went to a customer that I had never spoken to before. The discovery that we had had very little information. Um we didn't have much connection with them. And I felt like for me to pitch anything, I had to create that connection. It just happened. I look back into my past. You remember I said, I grew up in the rural areas. When I was growing up, the routine was very simple. You wake up in the morning, you go to school, you come back, you take your goats up to the mountain, you play soccer, you come back home. Goats go in, you go to the river, you wash, the day's done. Pretty much that's what you do every day. Except one day of the year, that's on Christmas Day. 
On Christmas Day at 10 o'clock, remember the goats go out at 1 o'clock under normal circumstances or 2 o'clock. On Christmas Day, they go out at 10 o'clock. The reason for that is because you want them out and bring them in and then you dress up in your new clothes and you go out feeling like you're a brand new person on this new clothes and you go around the village eating whatever you, you, you can eat. And that's what one day that everybody looks forward to. On this one specific Christmas, I remember us going out. We had made a swing hanging from a tree. And this was made out of a wire. And someone would sing you. You always sort of know this is the end of the pendulum and you go back. As it's swinging, I was on top of this. I remember realizing I've gone past the normal point where we turn back, meaning the wire had snapped. I, I went flying. I can tell you I didn't have wings. I, I flew wow. quite a long distance. <laughs> and in that process, I actually injured my arm. And I knew that that, that Christmas was basically messed up. I, I got home and I had my uncle, my dad's younger brother. He worked in Johannesburg and he always brought home uh, canned beef. I grew up in the rural areas. That was a delicacy. We didn't have that. It was his because I had an injury on that day, I was fed canned beef for the first time. And I realized, I remembered how it tasted. It was just awesome. It was something I had never tasted. I made a decision on that day. When I start working, I am going to buy canned beef for myself. Now, fast forward 20 years later, when I was now working, and I could afford to buy canned beef anytime I wanted to, and I bought it for my son who actually enjoyed it so much that now all of a sudden we're talking about this canned beef brand that's gone through three generations in my family. When I was talking to this customer, I was telling them, not only am I protecting your interest, I want this brand to continue into the next fourth, fifth generation of my family. After I shared that story, there was a lady who was actually a vegetarian who stood up and said, I have actually tasted canned beef. She was from the client once in my life. She shared a story of when she went out to the rural areas as part of uh, a community building project and how she got to eat that because they considered it to be one of the best things um, to feed to um, a visitor. And she didn't want to say no to that. When she finished that story, she and I, she was actually one of the influencers. We had a connection. And that's how stories from your past can come and save you and actually put you in a better place when you're talking to your customers. Wow. Wow. Like that is the kind of story that takes you a minute. You know, my supervisor, he always says that tell the kind of stories that bring a tear to the customer's eye. This is what I'm talking about. This is what he's talking about when he says that. And that was such a wonderful story. And who could have thought that, you know, to bring in a non-veg product and then to create a connection with somebody who's a vegetarian, exactly. but you can with authenticity with that honesty which you brought in and which actually brings me to Lars. <laughs> Lars, being a trusted advisor to a customer, as Cyril has been mentioning, it's not just limited to feature and function. It's all about creating that red thread and putting mm -hmm. those stories, embedding those stories where it is relevant, right? Mm -hmm. We have to share the solution benefits and yeah. value, but mm -hmm. do so in a way that's memorable and sticky. You know, I think both of you use that word a few times, like the, to stick, that it has to stick. And, you know, if he's the, if Cyril is a Yoda, a master Yoda of storytelling, I know you are the master Yoda of visual skills, you know, and that's how you learn. That's how, you know, you help others learn as well. 
So what are some of the visual best practices that we can inculcate in our presentations so as to stand out and be memorable? Because we, as Cyril warned, do not want to be forgotten. No. Well, I mean, again, we're coming back to that word connection. So Cyril talked about a connection. Cyril talked about his heart and his mind, but he forgot one very crucial element that is equally important, and that's the eye. Because the visual is, of course, something that supports your story. And now Cyril is a grandmaster, Yoda master of storytelling. And if you actually roll back in history, some of the first people who set their foot on this earth, they have actually left us some amazing cave paintings around the world, right? And these stories were most likely told around a fireplace to to you know amplify is that the correct word in english the the story by using absolutely Mm -hmm. and here you can definitely say that the visuals have been memorable because they are still there they are still around those stories are still around right so what i want to say here is yes storytelling is really important connection is really important but also using the, the the visual that will help the communication with the audience to understand the information that you are giving better. When Cyril was talking about the story, I created pictures in my mind and I guess actually did that exactly the same, right? So the visual language is increasing that human bandwidth uh, like we were talking about. You know, we have so much information that we need to to store. So if we are using the visuals, it will also help people to stick, right? And there are many techniques around visuals, but it's a given fact. I was just looking this up earlier today that 83% of what we learn comes with the sense of the sights. And also that, you know, our vision accounts to around 66% of our brain capacity and our retention rises 42% when text is accompanied by graphics. So there are absolutely given facts, scientifically proven that storytelling is fantastic. And if you add on top of that and you add a layer of visuals that will enforce your story much more. And, you know, visuals can be many things. It can be many different techniques. It can be drawings. It can be pie charts. It can be animations, signs, uh, graphic designs, and many, many other things. Uh, My personal perspective on this, right, and I have the same hobby as Cyril has, taking pictures with my camera. And you need to think about your visual means. You need to think about the composition just like an artist or photographer, because the visual message must be, as I said before, simple but effective, right? And when you have those visuals, it will build out your story because Cyril was telling a fantastic story. I was already picturing how Cyril was walking around with that can of beef, for sure. So by having that picture, that will, you know, create that connection 
to the audience even stronger. And again, it can be drawings, it can be videos, it can be pictures, right? Actually, I think if I were to add to this, because I, I really like where Lars is going with this. Think about someone who's been given a task. Uh, in this case, let's say you've been given a task to cut quite a thick or wide tree stump. And we give you a chainsaw. But we don't tell you, you actually need to start a chainsaw to use this chainsaw. You see the blade and you think you actually have to use it like yeah. um, a blade cutting. Yeah. You may try it, it's going to take a long time. Now, what people generally do when they stand in front of the customer, they don't ask themselves this question. What is the relevant delivery method? Just maybe, just maybe, I need to ease on on the presentation and actually write. Just maybe, I need to have a discussion with this customer. So what I, I like in terms of what we do at SAP is we are going to give you a toolbox. We understand people are different. In this toolbox, there are many tools to use. Please pick up the most relevant one. Because guess what? Storytelling, effective as it is. I have seen customers that I get in front of and they yeah. say, we are going to do facts and figures today. Put your storytelling bag on the side. And I am ready for that. So the idea is this adaptability that we need to have as solution consultants or even people that are facing to the customer, understanding that customers may be unpredictable. Mm. They may be predictable in terms of what they ask asking for, but in terms of delivering method, you will get a customer that will say, I don't want to see a single slide today. Yeah. And you spend the entire week pre preparing for that, it, which takes me to one of the lines that I have that I live by. Please, please get married to your story, not your slides. If you get married to your story, you can deliver it whichever way is required. But if you get married to the slides, Without the slides, you are going to drown and you become wow. less effective. Wow. Wow. And one of the lessons I heard loud and clear was that of adaptability, because one of the, my first question, my first question, uh, Cyril, to you was, well, you know, customer engagements can come in various forms. It could be a demo. It could be a lunch meeting. And if in a lunch meeting you want to create a visual picture, sometimes all you can do is to start sketching right there in your notebook to create that visual picture. There is no time to open up your laptop to start showing perhaps a demo. And that's when you have to rely on your sketching skills, which since both of you are Yodas, what am I? I am Mandalorian's baby Yoda, Grogu. And what I need help with Lars is, hey, I am not good at sketching. It looks like chicken scratch. It doesn't look good. And there might be others like me. I mean, I, I'm really good at video production. Some might say like, oh, that's not my uh, cup of tea. That's too much work. So, Lars, how do you encourage those who feel that, hey, I'm not the amalgamation of Picasso and Steven Spielberg. I don't know how to do these things. And how do you encourage them to still go ahead, take that plunge and create a visual treat for their audience? Yeah, it comes again back to what Cyril said before, right? You have to be brave. You have to dare to take that challenge within you, right? And don't be afraid of making mistakes. We all make mistakes. And that's the only way that we can evolve is by learning by our mistakes. Having said that, 
again, I said it before, keep it simple. You do not have to be an artist to convey a virtual, uh, sorry, a visual message. Start with a line, start with a circle, start with a triangle. That's way enough. There's a very good book called On the Backside of a Napkin, and that is very simple but powerful visual means that this book is writing about. And, you know, from that uh, um, experience will, you know, add to, to your work, right? And the more that you practice, 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 you will evolve, right? Just like Cyril said about the stories, by telling them again and again and again, the story becomes better, right? So don't be afraid. Make make uh, make practice, and uh, yes, uh, there will be some flaws down the road, but that's uh, important. That's important for you to learn of, right? Uh, and again, uh, we talked about being passionate, right? If you are passionate ab- around a topic, like I am around sketching and drawing, you will automatically become better with it. But you have to start somewhere, right? We all had to start somewhere. Picasso started somewhere, right? Uh, yes. Even Spielberg started somewhere. But again, don't miss understand the power of simplicity beautifully stated and one of the things i have started to do uh, to do large which i think our audience uh, would find helpful and perhaps you'll be proud of me because i'm trying something new since i am nervous about sketching in real time i am self-conscious about my handwriting and how things might come across what i have started doing is i pre-sketch some of my stuff and i use the power of powerpoint i cut up the sketch into different sections and it still looks like I'm sketching in real time. I'm creating that storyboard in real time, but it takes away that pressure from me. And of course, in the real time, I can still make a circle to highlight something. I can still make an arrow to highlight something, but I'm not doing the whole thing in real time. So that's something I do, which I'm, I'm slowly taking the plunge. But speaking of whiteboarding, that brings me to my next point. I was creeping on your LinkedIn, Lars, and you were talking about the magic of whiteboarding, of storyboarding. And you were saying that there are certain things it does convey better than a slide deck. While we're still learning the basics, you know, I used to, again, feel that, once again, who would be interested in looking at this mess? What is it about storyboarding that you would say could trump a beautifully done slide deck? First of all, let me say that, I mean, PowerPoint is actually quite powerful if you use the tool wisely, right? Again, Indeed. What we see is that PowerPoint presentations are overflooded with messages. There, are, uh, there is too many pictures. There is much more information, too many bullets, and this quickly becomes an information overload. Right? The audience loses their focus. It becomes a very quickly a big, large, muddy picture where you forgot the message have you seen on the first 10 slides, right? So, I mean, again, I think, you know, your, your human brain is not built to memorize that amount of compressed information that we are we are trying to squeeze into the PowerPoints, right? So I think what the whiteboard can do, unlike a PowerPoint presentation, is that it allows you to build a story and you can follow a visual process just like the storytelling that Cyril is talking about from A to Z. You can take detours, but you can still get back to the story. And you can stop at a given point on that process 
and build on that specific point, but still come back to the story. And you can tell it and you can visualize the story at the same time. So that's quite powerful by using a whiteboard or sketching. And again, a sketch and a whiteboard can be either linear or nonlinear. And also just the fact that the medium is different is powerful because if you're used to that all your suppliers comes to you showing a PowerPoint, then if somebody sticks out certainly and shows something on a whiteboard, that's right. different, right? Something that is that is being uh, remembered. So there are, you know, a lot of lot of good things to say about using a whiteboard and start using this as a tool. And my own personal experience by using this tool is that it is very engaging. Mm. And I also often seen people in the audience who wants actually to come up to the whiteboard and draw a line of their own or tell a specific point to that specific part uh, of the whiteboard. So it is engaging and it's for sure a medium that sticks better, right? Because you use it during a session, a a longer session during, let's say, an hour or two, that's that whiteboard can still be there for you to turn back to. So while while Cyril is telling his story, the audience can reflect on what came before that point that Cyril is at by looking at the whiteboard, right? So there is, you know, there's a connection. And uh, and the beauty of this is, right, and I think for sure that Cyril will agree with me, that if you if you are able to convey a story with visuals and by a good story, if the audience can take that story and make the story themselves and retell it, then you have a success, right? In fact, as you were going through this, you know, and, and analogies, I was, I was sitting thinking, imagine you walk into a restaurant mm. and you order something and the, the chef says, actually, please come here. You get there and they create this plate or this um, menu with you. So they're mm. basically, they're personalizing it. It, it can't get better than that. Mm. That's a very different feeling to when the plate just came prepared you even think what if it was prepared for someone else and they just didn't take it so i'm getting the the leftovers but when it's prepared with you this is all yours Mm. think about it how many times do we get slides as Lars was saying that's got 15 features on it and three of them we don't even understand ourselves and we don't delete them we skip over them because we can't talk to them yeah. It would yeah. be so weird to find someone sketching something that they don't understand. <laughs> they don't. They only sketch stuff they understand. So this is simplification at, at its best and personalization as well. And again, you know, having a canvas, right, helps you to narrow down your story because you only have that canvas available. You can't, you know, duplicate it into 20 different slides. You have what you have, and that's where you need to place your story, right, in that yeah. frame. No, absolutely. Absolutely, Lars. And I really like the fact that you were saying that whiteboards don't have to be linear. And that's something actually I did um, use a lot during my demos as well. So I might not have a full-blown, full-fledged whiteboard, but what I did use a whiteboard is as an aid with my PowerPoint. 
So I used to have my PowerPoint presentation. I used to have my demos, but I used to always put the customer's goals and challenges on a flip chart with mm. stickies on it. And in real time, like Cyril, you nailed it when you said that it is personalized. It is real time. In real time, I could ask them that are these we spoke about in the discovery call. I had this conversation with you. This is what I gathered your challenges to be. Still true. I can remove the sticky note. They can add another sticky note. They can say, actually, I would put this sticky note on the top. Let's talk about this first. And then let's talk about the other things later. So even though my slides might be the way they are, there is still a room to open up the discussion and to make it more personalized. With that, actually, Cyril, I would uh, ask same question to you, but from a storytelling standpoint. This is a fear sometimes I feel. I think a lot of audiences also feel that level of self-consciousness. Some might say, oh, you know, that's not for me. I would appear too cheesy, too gimmicky. Sometimes I'm scared that I might start appearing uh, too try hard, a little bit like a YouTuber, you know, like, hey, guys, I have something to share with you. (laughs) Right. So and we did speak about authenticity. And, you know, be yourself is one of the hardest advice I've ever heard. It's like, okay, but how much of myself do you want? Do you want all of this? Do you want some of this? (laughs) So with that, what would be your advice to still be engaging while being authentic, while still being relatable to the customer? I think one of the most important arts of doing this, and it's so critical, be able to read the room. That's core, like right in the beginning, what is it that these people can identify with? Because there are times when you look and you say, this kind of delivery method will not uh, work here. But last mentioned something which sounds so small, but so critical. You have to be able to start. Mm. Otherwise, you, 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 you won't go anywhere. A journey of a thousand steps, it has mm. to start somewhere. And I always say, very few people, very few people, unless if you are very artistic, are able to create a joke. Most people copy jokes. It's the same with storytelling. Find yes. someone else's jo- uh, uh, story and you, you use that. Get used to using it in the right context. Eventually you'll find, you may even tweak it. In tweaking it, you're making it your own. I said something that, that sounds simple, but if you think about it, Hollywood wouldn't exist if it was that simple. You have <laughs> actors. They are called actors because they can act and get into a role. You are required in some instances to get into this role for two minutes. Mm. Do that in such a way that if that role has emotions to convey, you can do that. If that role has a voice, you can do that. And you get out, guess what? They will remember that actor. And when they remember that actor, they remember you. They, sorry, they remember you. Yeah. The thing that we generally tend to shy away from is the fact that we are reflective of other people. The stuff we're scared of is stuff that they're scared of. The stuff that excites us, maybe stuff that excites them. So maybe let's reduce everyone to the human level. Mm. Where guess what? At that level, we all can connect. And if we can connect, it becomes easier to talk to each other. Mm. So I think that the, the, maybe the summary of it all is be willing to start and understand where you want to start. By understanding where you want to start is what kind of stories resonate with me? Is it a simple thing like, I am going to make sure that I have codes 
that are very important throughout. Once I get used to the codes, I can go on to analogies. Once I get used to analogies, I can tell small stories. Once I do that, I know a lady once delivered the entire session at a, at a, at a conference through a story. Mm. No slide. Wow. And that was the one that got remembered in that, in that conference. Wow. Because she was deliberate about it. She had practiced. And as I said, stand in front of the mirror and say, I am the Yoda. Oh, I am going to deliver this story for you, whether you like it or not. People yes. laugh at you, but they yes. will remember you doing that. Mm. A friend of mine said the following, and it's, it's weird that I'm going to, to, to say this. He said, Cyril, I always want to be remembered. Hmm. I will participate in sports that I'm so bad at, <laughs> and I'll do so badly that I will be remembered, but I will not be somewhere in the middle. Yes. If you're going to participate, please make sure you get remembered. In our case, be remembered for good. Yeah. No, great advice. Don't be mediocre. Be remembered. You know, either you're the best, you're the worst, but you have to be sticky. Very, very important. And... Lars, you know, Cyril brought up a great point with uh, when he spoke about that you can borrow other people's stories. Now, that can be hard to do because knowledge silos exist. However, I know you have been doing some great work in the procurement intelligence spent organization to avoid these knowledge silos because, you know, people say, well, my market unit, my region uh, don't even have these kind of customer stories. We can't even say that, oh, so-and-so has done this before. Whose story do I tell? I don't even have my own. So tell us about some of the great stuff you've been doing. So I think this is very much a two-sided, um, what do you, you say, two-sided uh, story, right? It's about giving and it's about taking. So on one hand, you need to cultivate a sharing culture among you and your peers, right? Because when... You, you had to create that uh, sharing culture so that becomes a norm, right? And in able to do that, you can actually start harvesting uh, uh, not only from, from, uh, you, you, uh, from you, but other people can, you know, share that content and, and take benefits out, out of it, right? So, again, coming back to, you know, what we talked about, about being passionate, right? Uh, I think when you're passionate about something, you become proud of it, right? And when you become proud of it, it should hopefully be that you are willing to share your knowledge, your abilities and your passions because you you feel good about them, right? So if you are if you are good at giving, then I'm quite convinced that if you have a colleague around in the in the SAP community or a good friend that is missing something, and if he or she is, you know, looking for something, they can reach out to you or to, to your colleagues, and then you can felt, find help and inspiration from 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 uh, from other people's. But you need to drive that sharing culture, right? Mm. It's also very much, you know, about uh, you know, helping each other, right? So if I scratch Cyril's back, he might scr scr scratch my back sometime, right? So if I help him, he can help, hopefully, you know, help me uh, with one of his stories, right? So one favor is worth another favor, right? So, yeah. you know, use your network, use your commodity, use your friends, use your colleagues, 
find a person that you think is could be an ins, uh, a, a source of inspiration to you or a mentor that you can look for inspiration to keep going and to be ready to improve yourself all the time, right? So again, as I said, double, you need to give in order to take, right? Uh, that's very important. In SAP, we run what we call pre-sales hub communities. And our hub communities are, are communities that are focused on a lot of different things, but one of them is absolutely being able to share knowledge and uh, and um, learnings, right? So we do this very much around uh, sharing content on a daily basis. We do post blogs uh, weekly or bi-weekly where we share each other's contents. We create video podcasts uh, where we talk on a, on a given topic. Today, a very hot topic is sustainability, right? So we have a guy in, in, in France uh, and in the US who is very passionate about this. So they give in order for other people to harvest, right? And these knowledge sharing sessions are incredible, valuable. And we also do something which is called content harvest, where we ask people to share their assets for the benefit of the community, right? So very important culture to to cultivate that sharing knowledge. And I would absolutely say to people, you know, don't be afraid of utilizing your network, your colleagues, your coworkers, uh, use your, uh, if you're in SAP, use your hub, use your hub leaders to, to get on the right path to find something, right? I mean, you need to drive this yourself by the end of the day, but you need to be able to find a, a person that can help you down that trail to, be able to tell your stories or to do whiteboardings or whatever it is, right? And it's a little bit like going to the library. Do you, if you first find the right book, it will, you know, multiply, you know, and then you, by the end of the day, you probably have 10 different books that you can find inspiration on, right? So again, the the, the communities, the, the, the networks that you are in are extremely important. So you can, you know, give, and you can take rights, and and that's what we're trying to cultivate at the at the different pre-sales hubs we have within SAP. Maybe if I were to add uh, to what Lars was saying, and I I work with one of the most amazing uh, industry value advisors, Kunein uh, Norani, and she was going to have a session with uh, a customer from Nigeria, uh, Lagos, and we were trying to sort of sit together and say, what is the best way to explain the network to a customer in Nigeria? And we both remembered, I, I, I had been to, to Lagos a few times. They've got one of the biggest markets in, in Lagos where people just literally sell everything. You can buy anything. I can even buy the, the Viking head. I, I, wow. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, with the horns. So we, 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 we sat to, together with uh, Kunein and we crafted a story around the, the market in Nigeria and sort of drawing parallels and analogy with the Ariba network. And guess what? That's what uh, stuck with the customer. So I, I, I really like this idea of saying, use the people around you mm. and, and sort of bounce ideas of them. Mm. The other one I have is, I think it was last year, we had a session with the uh, pre-sales uh, team from EMEA North. We were just going through stuff like this and I was sharing some of the things that I do. And must have been a week or two later, I got a, a, an email from a colleague from EMEA North saying, hey, I was brave enough to go and try this. 
the AE was sitting there thinking, ooh, what if it doesn't work? And it worked out very well. So in there, it's the idea of sharing and being brave to start. Mm. Mm. And, 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 and on that topic, right, I'm reading a book uh, uh, for the time being around the, the art of being creative, right? And it very much comes to you need to find sources of inspirations. And once you have all these different sources of inspiration, being either books or people or networks or colleagues or whatever it is, then you will start to find the connections. And those connections trigger and you know, explosive amount of creativeness, being either drawings or storytelling or whatever it is, right? So inspirations and sources of inspirations is extremely important to Cyril's point. Absolutely. So two brains thinks better than than one for sure. And speaking of inspirations and sources of inspiration, as we draw closer to the end of the podcast, where can the audience follow you if they want to keep following this very sources of inspiration? <laughs> Cyril? So I've got a LinkedIn account. I am Cyril Ratoga on LinkedIn. I'm one of those people who I actually prefer talking to people face to face. If I could, that's what I would do on a daily basis. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So to, to our audience, I'll be dropping Cyril's LinkedIn in the show notes. And if you are face to face with him in South Africa, do say hi to him. He does like to talk face to face. Maybe he's like shaking his head he's like, no. OK, <laughs> with that, Lars, where can the audience follow you? Well, uh, again, I also have a LinkedIn profile with my name, Lars Unquist. Uh, from time to time, I post my my sketching work um, either done on a uh, iPad or in our SAP office. Um, so on different topics, not only uh, on uh, on SAP related content, but also you know other stuff uh, that I like to draw out. Uh, so that's on LinkedIn, and uh, as mentioned, as Cyril, um, I'm a very um, passionate amateur amateur photographer so i post my pictures on on instagram as well and uh, that skill around photography is something that you know i like to draw into my work around the visuals right beautiful beautiful i'll be posting both of those in the show notes down below with that thank you so much lars and cyril aka master yodas for joining the <laughs> sap experts podcast this was lovely enjoyed it thanks actually for having us Always a pleasure.